We're going to talk to you. You are the initiate. You are the cosmic being. found out that I was actually getting a two inch by two inch brand with a cover as a man. We no longer under the laws of Moses. The world that even stuck with violence and the violence shall take it by force. Coffee. And cults. <sighs> Hi, John. Hi, Sam. Hi, listeners. And welcome to Coffee and Cults, where once a month or thereabout, we meet, drink coffee, and talk cults, sects, and fringe religious movements from around the world. Please be aware this podcast may not be suitable for all listeners, as it will contain strong language and... John? A whole host of unpleasant things. Uh, So content warnings for uh, child abuse, for sexual Um. abuse for um, unpleasant business involving corpses. Oh, no. Um, I'm going to make allusions to ableist slurs. Yeah, it's going to be a rough one in some respects. Hooray! As we might well have suspected it might be. (laughs) Well, yeah, you've seen the name of it by now. You clicked on it. Welcome. Hello. Uh, If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do that on our various social medias at Coffee and Cults. Thank you to those of you that have. And we've got some lovely dog pictures from you, and they've been a real treat. Yeah, we really appreciate that. Please, more dog uh, sharing. I'm very much a fan of that. Uh, And also, it's been nice again to hear from people who've um, either been affected by some of the groups we've spoken about recently and Mm. have shared some of their stories or have suggested groups that they have encountered out in the wild for us to look into. We have a really good list going. We're always excited to hear from people with those suggestions, so please... Please also keep that vibe coming. If you want to email us directly, you can do that at coffeeandcults at gmail.com. Woo! Um, I also haven't said this to John yet, but I would like... What? Uh, 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 I would like suggestions for a Halloween special. So if you've got a particularly scary, creepy, spooky, ooky, kooky group that you would like us to talk about, I think that's the full adjective that I want. Yeah. So, yeah, send them on over. Yeah, do it. That would be that would be good. I think we've probably run out of vampire-based cults now, haven't it? We've I'm done sorry, two what did or you, three. What did you say? I think you meant vampire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Look out. He is a vampire. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we've probably... I mean, dealer's yeah. choice. If you just know a really creepy one that works for Halloween, let us know. But yeah. if, you, if you can find another vampire one, that would be, um, be great. What I, if there was a cult led by a ghost? Oh, did you know? Um, <laughs> chiropractor, chiro- chiropract, chiropract. What do you call? What is the practice of what a chiropractor does? Like clicking bones. Yeah, yeah. Just what the word is. Chiro- Chiropracty. Chiro. Chiropractice. <laughs> it's something weird. Um, the person who invented that claimed that a ghost taught him how to do it. Oh. Which is um, which is one of many reasons to suspect that it's maybe not a great thing to uh, to go to. They also quite often cause yeah. people quite serious damage by um, cracking their necks. Yeah, um, it does look quite satisfying though when you see it on. It does, online. but I think it's potentially quite dangerous. So yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I learned recently, Ooh. and I have also learned that um, local chiropractors. Um, who have pages on Facebook that I stumbled across somehow because mm. they were advertising, get very cagey if you ask them about it. Oh! Please tell me more about that at some point. Yeah, so yeah. that's... Um, that's very Just funny. if you're wondering how John's passing the time <laughs> over yeah. these uh, these months, um, there's a little bit of that kind of fun interaction. I'm distracted already, Sam, which is never a good idea at the start of an episode. That's but okay. my other favourite thing, because... 
in our line of work, but also my vague interest, there mm. are a few like generically spiritual pages that maybe I follow on Instagram. Sure. Most of which are just lovely and, you know, isn't nature nice. Yeah. Um, but what you find on Instagram, as I'm sure listeners will be aware, is that sometimes you will follow that page and then shortly afterwards, a misspelled version of that page will also add you. Oh. And then a little voice will slide into my DMs going, Hello, beloved. I have a special reading message for you if oh. you would like it. Um, you may ask me any question for the spirits. I'm so glad you got my message. <laughs> and then I like to go, my question is, is it a lot of work scamming people by pretending to be somebody else on the internet? Great. And then reporting them and interacting with them until they block me and or delete their account. So, nice. um, yeah, so I'm keeping busy, Sam. That's Great. the um, That's the news nice. from me <laughs> in my corner. Wonderful. Um but enough of this frivolity uh let's really uh turn back into our serious subject you will have noted listeners that this is the branch davidians part two and then we'll work out a snappy caption for what exactly it is but roughly yeah. it's going to be um i don't know the journey from vernon howell to david koresh or Ooh. um we'll find something catchier one of us will say something yeah. very funny soon <laughs> and i realize listeners you're probably looking at the timestamp of the episode going when are they gonna say something maybe funny? that's it branch of Indians part two one of us will say something very funny soon <laughs> i think that um given some of the content might not be no. <laughs> might suggest a certain uh irreverence so yeah last time we looked at the origins of the branch davidians mm-hmm. how they grew out of the seventh day adventist church but with a particularly serious apocalyptic the world is ending soon theology and we saw lots of people sort of battling to be in charge of it or becoming the new prophet Mm -hmm. eventually ending uh with lois being the female prophet and leader um having sort of got a restraining order out on her son who thought it should be him and so many more people involved than i knew yeah just generally yeah much more of an evolved kind of history right yeah um we're going to keep looking at that history, but we reached the point in the story last time where Vernon Howell mm. appeared. Yes. Um, and we're going to follow his journey and uh, and take you through his back history. It's a pretty wild ride, of Sam. Course it Again, is. I had yeah. no idea quite how crazy lots of this was from my knowledge of Waco. So, um, yeah, so we're going to hit with cool. that. So, um, this is a really interesting story not only because we know where it's going because it is the the curious tale of how an average working class texan ends up being the leader and prophet of a doomsday cult Mm. um and there are lots of sort of questions about whether this individual is just crazy Mm. or whether he's just bad and has ill intent or whether it's some exciting mix of the two diagram or maybe neither. Maybe yeah. he's just genuine and Sam and I will convert by the end of this episode. Who can say? We'll see <laughs> where that goes. But yeah, it's just such an amazing journey. And yeah. as with lots of people that we've looked at, a story where you go, this happens so quickly and so sort of, yeah, just yeah. in a way by circumstance and suddenly it becomes something that's such a significant historical Ooh. moment. Yeah. But we'll trace that moment all the way back to the 17th of August, 1959. Lovely. Uh, I can hear 
the Beach Boys and everything's in sort of pastel colours and made of Bakelite. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Something like that. Colour hasn't been invented just yet. <laughs> Still Except a couple of years away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, genuinely, when I was a very small child, Sam, I thought that the world oh. had been black and white until oh. about 1960-something. <laughs> How scary Isn't would that, that have been? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just suddenly overnight. Just that day, Wizard of Oz came out, and then suddenly everything was in colour. I'm glad that wasn't true, but um, yeah. yeah, that was a, that was definitely a thought in young John's head. Oh. I was only 28 years old at the time, <laughs> yeah. and realised the error of my ways. Um, so he was born to uh, his mother, Bonnie, that's how birth works, um, to Bonnie Clark, who was at the time 14. Oh, no. And his father, 21-year-old Bobby Howell, who was a carpenter and mechanic. And paedophile. Yeah, there's a lot of dicey stuff in this episode. With the yeah. context, this is not helpful or uh, this isn't, doesn't make it right, but that the age of consent in Texas at the time was yeah. something like 14 within marriage or something horrible mm. like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really mm. disgusting really really icky um and yeah there's a pattern here mm. established right at his birth that is going to come back yeah. in in horrific ways later Eesh. in the episode um so because they were unmarried um it wasn't entirely a stable family unit uh, for the first two years he lived with them and his mum sort of remembers at the time that he was this energetic hyperactive kid who was just like fascinated with the world around him um they nicknamed him sputnik right because he, he was, was just space. this little ball of yeah. energy and running around and, and exploring cool. the world but that little sort of happy time didn't last terribly long and they separated when they separated boris Bon well, she went to a different high school <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's so sad <laughs> It's so sad. Yeah. Um, they separated. She actually married someone else. Um, but because that had happened, Vernon went to live with his maternal grandmother and aunt. Yeah. And was raised with them for a long time. Okay. Um, to such an extent that he thought that his aunt was his mother. Right. And he thought that nice Aunt Bonnie, who came and visited him every now and again, yeah, was, was aunt his Bonnie. auntie. Yeah. Uh, um, which I'm sure we've heard for about two or three other yeah. cult leaders and is also yeah. the case with a couple of high-profile serial killers, right? That, yeah. that kind of being lied to about who... Was it your, Bundy? Who's, yeah, Whose grandmother so. he thought was his mother and his... Or his mother was... Yeah, he thought his mother was his sister. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently that kind of, that kind of stuff can uh, mess you up a bit. Um, so in 1964... Bonnie marries again. I couldn't quite work wow. out or find what happened that first time round or who the first person was, but she marries again and she marries uh, Roy Haddleman, who is a carpenter. And so... Got a type. <laughs> yep. Uh, and so Vernon comes to live with them in Fort Worth in Texas. And not long after that, a new brother, Roger, arrives into the family. But people have noticed, and it was noted indeed by the Branch Davidians, mm. that Vernon was uh, born of an out-of-wedlock young mother. Oh. 
about the age perhaps Mary was in the oh, Bible. No. And that his stepdad I was thought, a carpenter. I thought this was going to be a whole bastard thing. And then it turns out, actually, Jeebus. And oh. then, spoiler alert, died in his 30s. Yeah. Around the age of 33. Oh, coincidence. <laughs> coincidence. <laughs> At the moment, Sam is looking very likely to be converted, listeners, if you if you just want to track that through the course of the, um, yes. course of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this this scepticism is actually so far the other way. It's because I really, really, I'm just trying to find doubt in it. <laughs> it would be good to have a little chart of like convinced to unconvinced for us during these episodes. Yeah. That just, I think it's always just straight along the bottom at the unconvinced. And then sometimes but, goes further down. Yeah. Off the off that end of the axis. Um, but it would be nice to um uh, to plot that out. So he grows up in Texas at around this time, which means obviously. He is subject to severe physical punishment on a regular right. basis, yep. as lots of children in that um, culture and in that area at that particular time are um, really sort of regular, what he describes as quite severe beatings mm-hmm. for things from, from stepdad and from others. He also claims that he was sexually abused around that time by older boys. Um, and And... Some things that we maybe don't know the exact details of. He claimed uh, for a while that some of that time his mum worked as a sex worker and that his stepdad had a dubious sort of background of some kind. That's mm. all a bit sort of hypothetical and unproven. Okay. Um, but what is known is that the brother, Roger, later on gets really involved in drugs and burglary, ends up with lots of kind of criminal convictions for that mm. so there's definitely a sense of this unstable home yeah maybe there's lots of crime around there's certainly lots of severe physical punishment mm-hmm. maybe there's um other forms of abuse as well um one of the researchers one of the people that writes about waco uh revis uh, says quote the household that produced vernon howell was not a model of the virtues of family life right you know jesus is- had adversity to get through Oh, oh, she's looking is, convinced, listeners. She's looking is, convinced. Uh, this is a very sad life for a child. Like it is, whatever they whatever horrendous. They go and on to do. I think we've said this before with people like Jim Jones, right? That there's yeah. a moment where you just have huge empathy for this child who's yeah. who's oh. born in such terrible circumstances. As we were talking about sad things, I could hear your dog crying downstairs. <laughs> it was just like sadness in stereo. My dog is also very saddened by the childhood of Jim Jones. Um, Yes. So to make all of this better and to make all of this, you know, the stuff of sound psychological upbringing, Bonnie had also been raised in the Seventh-day Adventist church and uh, both she and his grandmother at different times took him regularly. He also, for a short bit of time, went to a Seventh-day Adventist school. Right. Look, this kid had no chance. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much right. Um, so really, yeah, strong uh, religious stuff happening around there. As a child, he also struggled a lot at school, uh, or like academically or yeah, socially, or all of the. Above. I think all of the above. Yeah. Um, uh, quote: uh, I already failed the first grade twice, so then I failed the second grade. Oh. Um, which is pretty. Uh, bleak it seems quite likely people think now that he had something like quite a strong uh, dyslexia yeah that maybe he had adhd right um 
and that yeah there were maybe some things like that that just, obviously at the time nobody yeah. kind of was not in anybody's yeah. um, head or spectrum um but because he struggled um he got a uh, a horrible nickname from the uh fellow children uh which i won't say the full thing of because yeah. it contains an ableist uh slur that sure. is basically mr r slur right um and he ends up in the special class at the school well, I, mean, um, I mean at least it shows some kind of respect that they called him mr <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. you can I'm just not put, to make excuses for like, these horrible bullies. If someone called you a slur but put admiral in front of it, I don't yeah. think you'd Cut be your like bitch at your service. <laughs> Colonel bitch is a character I encourage you to develop. That will be my next D and D character. Yeah. yeah, do it. Uh, yeah, and this obviously affected him as well. He talks. Um, in one of many sort of recountings where he's um, recorded talking about things for various reasons, uh, one playtime running out to the swings and the kids who were already out in the playground yelling, here come the ableist slurs. Oh, no. um, but yeah, he talks about this being like a standout moment, uh, quote. Uh, and it's like I, I just stopped in my tracks. It's like the sun went down over my world. Oh. I couldn't function. And that day was the longest day of my life. I mean, I stood over by the swing set, you know, and I was just a third grader, right? So having a tough time. Yeah. But there are two areas in which he excels. One of those areas is mechanics. Cool. Um, He gets a radio as a present for his mum, takes it apart to see how it works. Um, She's also got other stories of like buying him a toy truck and he takes the motor straight out of it and plays with that and builds that into something else. And that sort of generated a love of cars and also led to his love of music that we will probably discuss more in a side episode for our Patreon uh, fans. If you'd like to join us on Patreon, you can get some bonus musical cult content. Um, He finds an old guitar, fixes that up, does some sort of work on, on cars and things. So he's really good at that kind of thing. Nice. Cool. He also excels... In theology and his interest in Christianity. Okay. Um, He had memorized the New Testament by the time he was 13. Whoa. And had memorized also a good deal of the Old Testament by the time he was 18. I've memorized Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat. That's one story. Can you do the colors? Yeah. Go on then. It was red and yellow and green and brown and scarlet and black and ochre and peach and ruby and olive and violet and fawn and lilac and gold and chocolate and mauve, cream and crimson and silver and rose and azure and lemon and russet and grey and purple and white and pink and orange and blue. Mate, very good. Clap, 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 clap. More impressed as it went on. I am often impressed by you, Sam, (laughs) but this is maybe the most (laughs) impressed I've ever been. (laughs) Aww. just want you to know that Thank that's you. very cool um yeah and he's got this extraordinary ability to analyze the text and make connections between it he devours lots of other sort of christian commentary books yeah. and material from the seventh day adventists and others and you know goes to other churches and things he's got a hunger for it mm-hmm. he's got a real command of what that text is yeah and likes to kind of kick it um around I'd say me reciting those colours is probably about equal to that. <laughs> I think that means you are the new Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I called it. I think it was you last time, wasn't it? 
<laughs> it's important to share these things. That we do it as a job share. Yeah, yeah. It's more democratic. I've I've just written one line here, which is briefly lives with his grandparents in a shed. Oh. I think that's in their shed. In I their don't shed, think he's not, in. Yeah. Not all three of them with the trowels. Like um, ben Charlie and, and the Chocolate Factory. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, by the time he's 18, he is also working as a carpenter. Gotta Jesus. stay on brand. Yeah. Um, long hair? Yeah. Oh. It was long hair. I'll show you. There's a, a young young Vernon photo coming up for you. Sam, cool. So. Oh, but actually, we'll we'll backtrack a little bit. Uh, oh no, we won't. So he's eighteen. Um, first love oh. comes into his life. Um, she's sixteen. Okay, oh, two years. Mm-hmm. But he does sleep with her, right? Um, a couple of times, and she gets pregnant. Oh, he's been sort of sometimes living there, and sometimes mm. living elsewhere. At that point, um, and as soon as that happens, her family kick him. Out. Yeah. Um but she gives birth to his first child, Shayna Cull, who he never sees, meets, or ever interacts oh. with. Okay. Um so at this point he starts living in his truck, driving around, he's become a bit of a drifter. Right. Um No one knows what happened to Jesus between like eighteen and his late twenties. She's looking convinced, listeners. She's looking convinced. We all know he was in India um, hanging out with Buddha, right? Um, So he went to America and wrote on some golden plates. (laughs) (laughs) He was a busy boy. Yeah. (laughs) And verily, Andrew did say to him, Oh Lord, thou hast been a very busy boy. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, see, I've memorised the New Testament as well. Yeah, we've got it. Yeah. Between us, 50-50. Job share. <laughs> Bible recitation. The other half of the time, Jesus. Hopefully we can monetize that. Yeah. Um, so he dabbles in Southern baptism. Just dabbles. Um, but Seventh-day Adventism is so much yeah, more attractive. He soon returns to that. Uh, mm. And he joins a Seventh Adventist church cool but during his time living in his truck wouldn't you know it? can you guess what happens to him while An he's angel living comes in his to truck? visit him <gasps> that's right he has a vision oh. uh this is uh what happens so he was praying in a field uh expressing his emotional patterns to god okay uh and then he said Maybe I should try. I haven't done an accent for a while. Maybe I'll. Ooh. It's the light end of the episode. I can do a little bit of accent. You're in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know that I can do that, Sam, but I'm going to do this. That, that work. Think, think True Blood. I don't know. Oh, Did you... I fucking love True Blood. Yeah. I don't know if we've ever talked about that, but in that moment, I was like, I think John would have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. This presence enshrouds me. And I'm talking about its authority encompasses me. And here I am zeroed in and all of a sudden I start shaking and I'm scared to death. I mean, you would be scared if you was out in a field and all of a sudden too... Oh, no, I (laughs) only scanned this before I... I'm going to... This is what he said. You would be scared if you was out in a field and all of a sudden two black guys came at you, wouldn't you? No, um, I think I'd be right. Yeah, I'd say. And all of Hello. a sudden, this zero zeroed in on me, 
and I am looking at the sky, and all of a sudden it's like, it's like I'm being watched from every angle, and there's this, there's this being confronting me, and it's like, I have no place to run, no place to run, and it is, one part of me is terrified, and the other part of me is awed, like, you're real, you know, it's kind of like, you're real, really, you know, and there's this, there's this voice says to me, it says, it's, it's not a voice as such, see, when I'm talking to you, it's a voice that imparted a picture completely perfect in my mind, it, it overruled all my perception banks, and it's sort of like jammed any kind of perception except what it wanted me to know, and he says, you're really hurt, aren't you? And, you know, 19 years of life flash in front of me just like a film. The whole aura of being everything. And then a voice, all of a sudden, it it, it reviewed to me all of those weird and strange and unique and in strengthening experiences throughout my whole childhood and life. And it says, don't you know, for 19 years I've loved you. And for 19 years you've turned your back on me and rejected me. And all of a sudden, everything is like, bang, it hit me all at once. Ah, what an ability to forget the reasons and purposes of life. So from that point, I had this, you know, knowledge of what the next phase that I had to experience was and to do. Because, see, she's part of my life and experience. Whoa. So he had ADHD and he went unfocused and had a... You know, when you have a little, your eyes go unfocused and you just go, you stop for a minute. and Yeah, and it doesn't even seem like schizophrenia, right? It's not even yeah. like a palpable voice in his head. It's just like a, a sudden a moment of impression. Or... Yeah. Maybe that was the first time he had an idea. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> Oh. No, not oh, he's a fucking creep. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of imprints on him this idea that there's something something yeah. more going on around something around religion in his life. Um so he's baptized in the Tyler Seventh day Adventist Church. Right. And he lives with and works for a couple that go to that church. Cool. So he's got a nice little cozy um cozy setup. But then he has another vision. Oh. Um, he had a vision that he was drifted. Don't worry, listeners, you're not going to listen to my bad accent again. It was um, a lovely accent. Ah, thanks. Um, he was drifting in the clouds. Right. And then also sort of floating in the clouds, Sam, he saw the pastor's daughter. Ooh. The only mm. girl who would ever float in the clouds. <laughs> Was the daughter of a pre? That's nothing. So okay, yeah, got it. <laughs> yeah, the scan, the scanning of the words was difficult. No, some would say none of them fit within the original tune. But um, <laughs> so he sees her floating in the clouds, and he's told by God that she is supposed to be his wife. Oh. Unsurprisingly, when he brings this up to the pastor, <laughs> uh, he's banned from seeing her. How how old? I don't want to know. Do uh, I? I think she's not. I think she's sort of sixteen to eighteen. I think she's in that bracket. Okay, so she's 
Not a child, child, but also not an adult. None of which. She's not a girl, not yet a woman. This is the musical uh, portion of the the episode. Um, But he keeps seeing her in secret. Oh. uh, And he gets her pregnant twice. um, Sadly, both ending in miscarriages. Oh. So he really, yeah, he's, he's sort of repeating this pattern of getting into trouble. Mm hmm. Um, but also that sort of being connected or within this kind of religious mania. And then guess what, Sam? What? He only has a bloody another vision. Oh! So he's praying, and he feels like he's being taken up an elevator shaft. Oh! Titty ye not, titty ye not. And at the top, when he appears in 48 Sorry. episodes, I've never done a Frankie... Word reference, no, and um, I imagine that won't happen again no. in the next fifty. So well, then, yeah, there we go. Um, and when he floats up at the top of the shaft, um, he sees two giant walls. Okay. Uh, one which has the word "law" written on it, Ooh. and one which has the word "prophecy" written on it. Wow. Um, and also God is standing there. Wow, what a thing to list third. Yep. <laughs> I'm just, I'm really into walls. I'm yeah, just, sure. I'm you. I like labels. Uh, um, and he's got a book in his hand. It didn't say in either version uh, account of this that I read yeah. what that book was. So listeners, imagine your favourite book and just imagine that like... God with the very hungry caterpillar. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. God is like getting to the end of Fifty Shades of Grey and uh, <laughs> and suddenly Vernon pops up out of an elevator shaft yeah. and, and interrupts him. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of a headcanon for you. Yeah. Uh, and God reaches out towards him with his other hand and mm. Vernon reaches out uh, towards God and their hands meet. And then we don't really know what the rest of that vision was. But again, oh. it seems to sort of imply that there's some kind of special yeah. connection between God cool. and Vernon. So he saw the painting at the Sistine Chapel or whatever it is. Yeah, Confused it for a mirror. Mm. <laughs> so he thinks at this point he's in direct communication with God. This, and the fact he's knocking off the pastor's daughter... Results in him being disfellowshipped from the sure. Tyler Church. Yeah. Tyler Church. Sure. Been on the communion wine, sure. sorry. On the sure. from Don't the <laughs> or I don't know. I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> Instead I'll just made that noise like a Scottish walrus. Um <laughs> he was disfellowshipped from the Tyler Church. Okay, yeah, sure. So um he goes to a few other Seventh day Adventist preachers and groups. And sort of affiliates over that time. Again, Mm -hmm. he's sort of jumping around. But it's fortunate, Sam, that in 1981, he heard from someone that the community at Mount Carmel was led by a living prophet receiving messages from God as well. Yeah. So he visits that summer. Yeah. And gets a sort of a bundle of their literature. Sure. And then he keeps visiting. They love pamphlets. Yeah. They do love a pamphlet. Yeah. And each time he goes back and he stays a little bit longer. Yeah. And does he do what we do longer. and just takes more pamphlets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just his bed is just pamphlets with a mattress on yeah. top. Free insulation. He eventually joins the group and starts mm-hmm. living there. Yeah. Um but because he's new, he's like the, the bottom of the bottom of the heap. Mm-hmm. Um and so he sort of he becomes like the dog's body around the yeah. around the compound. Quote 
I washed enough dishes to last me a lifetime. Everyone looked down on me. I was just the camp bum, the loser who did all the dirty jobs, the things no one wanted to do. It was always Vernon do this, Vernon do that. Sure, so this is a kid who's like grown up with family and lived in a truck, so has not really had many dishes to do. It's that adulthood, dude. <laughs> yeah, and presumably yeah. he's not like paying for, for bed and board. but no. um, So he becomes their handyman and mechanic. Okay, that's and becomes, what he enjoys. Yeah, and he yeah. becomes really helpful cool. in the community and around the group. Um, some people also describe him as being quite domineering. Right. Um, and like someone who would use other people to sort of get what they want. Sure. But lots of other people talk about just being really impressed by him. He had like really impressive scriptural knowledge and passion. Well, he knew the Bible off by heart. Yeah, yeah. he was a really passionate and impressive speaker. So he really kind of yeah. makes a bit of a an impact on people when he arrives. Um, and he's a bit different as well. He's a mm. bit... You know, he's the new Ooh, kid in town. He's long hair. in his T-shirt, oh. jeans, long hair. Yeah. Um, sort of talking and preaching and, you know, being like that cool art teacher who also wants to be your out. friend. Yeah. yeah. I mean, literally. Yeah. Um, let me show I'm, you the I'm picture of him. Like a Cat Stevens or something. That's what my... Good, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Vernon Howell. Okay, that's pretty much exactly what I was picturing. Yeah. Sometimes he has a beard around this time, lovely, but sometimes he doesn't. Lovely Gibson Les Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good guitar. Yeah, nice. Um, so he's a bit of a hit, and one of his things is like he talks about like the Bible and stuff, but in a relatable way oh, sure, that you yeah. can understand. Like this analogy. Uh oh. Okay. That nasty old sin. How do you get rid of the stuff? It's like a booger on your finger, right? <laughs> you're trying, you know, you're picking it, and it gets on your other finger. Even when you're going like 50 miles an hour down the road and you're trying to flick it off. I know what I'm talking about, see? You just get a tissue. You just get a tissue and wipe it up. So like sin, you could just get a tissue and I just think, pinch it. I think the Bible the is the tissue with which we remove the boogers of sin. Because yeah, those pages are quite thin, fingers. so if you rip yeah. one, it is just like a tissue. <laughs> nice and soft. Yeah. So he's doing Very that clean, kind of stuff. because no one ever looks in it. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I was going to try and make a balm joke, but I'm not going to. Um, uh, but believe it or not, this kind of approach to preaching <laughs> and his sincerity uh, impresses Lois, Ooh. leader of the group, yeah, who very quickly starts to see him as a potential successor. Ooh, and others support him as well. There's a lot of sort of yeah. enthusiasm. Um, and you know, he talks a lot all the time about how he sees things, how he sort of interprets the Bible. So. Like like bogeys. Yeah. Surprising overlap between Vernon Howell and Dick and Dom. In the bundle. <laughs> Both potentially radicalising. In 1983, invited by Lois, he hosts eight meetings explaining what God has revealed to him personally uh, in what becomes known as the Serpent's Root Studies. So it's amazing that he's been in the group for two and a half years, maybe. Yeah. And he's giving like an eight-part lecture series on his interpretation of theology at the invitation of the cult leader. Yeah. I guess that's the power of, of gr- groups that are willing to follow someone charismatic, is that 
you could distract them with another shiny thing that's similar and but not the same. Yeah. And that's that's how radicalization happens, isn't it? It's, it's step by step, it's step. It gets yeah, yeah. a bit more. And I would imagine maybe if they knew some of those coincidences of his birth, yeah. that also just, yeah. Um, so it becomes a big hit. Um, around the same time, he visits Israel for the first time with Lois. Cool. Um, more of those visits later on. <clears throat> In January 1984, he gets married. Oh, to... To, to Rachel Jones. Okay. Who's <clears throat> 14. Fuck's sake, dude. Um, at the time, that's legal with the parents' permission in Texas. Her parents mm. were obviously a family in the Branch Davidians who'd yeah. okayed it. Gross. Fucking gross. Yeah. But he's in a really strong position to take a bigger role in the group and indeed to maybe take over the group one day. Yeah. But... Ooh. Remember. Remember, remember, remember. John did very dramatic eyebrows then. Lewis's son, George. I remember. Also thinks he should be leader. You'll remember, maybe, from our last episode, that he like forced an election yeah. about whether he should be in charge. Of that happens around this kind of time. Okay. So that big failed election uh, happens. Um, but George also hears around this time that Vernon and Lewis have been sharing a bed oh no oh that was uh, that was more eyebrows um and so he goes to waco um he hears howell preach Mm -hmm. uh, and says at the time it's like i couldn't believe it because everyone's just lapping up and believing anything he says and you know he has everybody in the palm of his hand i think there's a lot of jealousy there probably as opposed Um, to doing that book to me instead yeah exactly real green-eyed monster stuff um and that same visit it doesn't say how in the things that I was reading, but it's pretty much confirmed to him yeah. that indeed this man, who's not only sort of trying to take over the group, is also boinking his elderly mother no. in the process. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because Howell's, what, in his early 20s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's 60, 70 something by this point. I find that less gross than the kids thing. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I, <laughs> I don't know. Hot take here, but yeah, yeah. I think that's better. Um, so he's a bit cross. Yeah, um, sure. And uh, according to uh, uh, Vernon, uh, George came in and he's waving a seven. No, nope, and he's waving around a three five seven wrecker. Some kind of three, gun. Three three fifty seven. Three fifty seven requeer. People are going to get in touch and correct me. I don't care. Guns are bad. And he was telling people he was going to blow my balls off. Oh, is that a promise? (laughs) 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 Okay. So Hal decides he's going to leave Mount Carmel for a bit. Right, yeah, with his balls. Quite attached to his testicles. Yeah, like your dog. (laughs) Sadly, like my dog, who failed to be neutered this week because he was too nervous and then spent the rest of the day when we had to bring him home lying in every possible position that showed us just how intact he still was. (laughs) Like he fucking knew. Yeah. Um. Around this time, he writes George a letter. There's a lot of letter writing, which I won't go too much into, but these guys, fuck, I guess it makes sense of the time period. They fucking love writing letters. Well, they couldn't send an email, could they? No. No. And a phone call relies on everyone being at home at the right time. Yeah. God, what a nightmare. Um, 
So he writes a letter to George in which uh, Vernon says he is the angel mentioned in Revelation 14.17. Vernon Vernon is the angel. Yep. Vernon says George is. Okay, Vernon, Vernon is the angel. You know, May, I know we've yeah. got our differences, but you know I'm yeah, you know. this angel. Yeah. Uh, which is an angel, you'll remember, Sam. Uh, and I do as well from Revelation. Uh, that this is an angel with a sickle. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. The angel with the sickle. Yeah, I remember yep. the sickle and the um, he had the uh, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. That's the one. Um, who's sort of interpret <laughs> interpreted often as being the one who like harvests the hundred and forty four thousand. It's the one that harvests the hundred forty four thousand. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, interestingly, Ben Roden, former leader had also claimed that that's who he was. Sure. But now Vernon is saying, well, it hasn't happened yet. It's yeah, me. so it's me. So he moves to a 40-acre site in Palestine, Texas. Okay. With 40 followers. Wow. It cool. amazes me with these cult leaders, the angel dude that we talked about not so long ago, where do they get all this capital just by 40-acre ranches everywhere or big well, lots it seems to be so, is mean, that an american Texas thing is very very big that's true so maybe there's just loads of room and if you want a bit you can probably just buy a bit from someone yeah i guess and then build your house from uh, trees i guess that's how houses get built sometimes <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking very little house it's, on the it's prairie texas <laughs> not fucking hobbiton oh. <laughs> Yeah, it just blows my mind that they. It seems like loads of these people we know that run cults yeah. are sort of have this same like disadvantaged, poor background, and yeah. then suddenly buy a huge acreage somewhere. Well, is it like tithing or all that sort of? I guess know. I just rake up donation money, right? Yeah. Okay, so around this time, he also visits Israel again in 1985. He goes from Palestine to Texas to Israel. The country. The I did briefly think that the book I was reading about him was being really like, um, you know, really supporting the Palestinian cause, yeah. but actually, no, it's just that's just what that town in, just what in Texas is called. Um, and he has, would you believe this, another religious experience? Oh my gosh, in Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know quite how we're going to do this, Sam, because this is a bit of uh, of interactive. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, work we might have to um, bear with us listeners we're just going to move closer together um so that we can reenact this conversation between vernon howell and an agent of the fbi Ooh, which, which describes this do you want to be the fbi person yeah. or do you want to do your best uh oh i want to hear your different voice for the fbi agent okay so you're going okay, to do yeah. your texan Texan drool. Okay, we'll uh, just uh, we'll just rearrange ourselves. Hang on. Hang on. So there is only one acid test for anybody that claims to be enlightened in. Oh, I've gone. I'm not very Texas. In regards to the knowledge of God, show me the seals, and if they can't, then they have to wait until somebody can. David, how did you get to this point where you can interpret the seals? Well, in 1985, I was in Israel, and uh, there was a there was these Russian cosmonauts that were a. Uh, the reason I'm telling you about this is because we got two we got two witnesses to this. The Russian cosmonauts gave the report that they saw seven angelic beings being seven angelic beings flying towards Earth with the wings that with the wings the size of a jumbo jet. Okay, so what happened 
was in 1985 when I was in Israel. I met up with these people. Seriously. You met up with who now? The seven. <laughs> the two cosmonauts. No, no, no. See, the Russian cosmonauts were in their space station. Right. And they radioed down to their headquarters. They were terrified. Right, I can understand. That they saw seven angelic beings mm-hmm. moving towards the earth. Okay, and you met these seven angelic beings? Exactly. Where? In Israel. Yeah, but where in Israel? On Mount Zion over in Israel. Oh, okay. Okay. Let me tell you something. It's awesome. Angels don't really have wings, but what they have is called a a Merkava. A what? A Merkava. Which is? It's a, it's a spaceship. A spaceship? It's, it's, it's a vehicle. I mean, it travels by light. Okay. He's walking here, according to my voice. <laughs> uh, the, the reflect, refraction of light. You know how the rainbow and all that? You know how this sounds? Are you familiar with Eric O? Or Eric von Daniken? Who's that? Chariot of the Gods. Yeah, well, see, I got that film in 1986 or 87 because I was looking for for documentation to try and explain to my students just exactly when, how I got this knowledge of the seals. Mm Mm-hmm. So what happened to me literally happened to me. Wait. So what happened to me literally happened to me didn't just happen to me. So I could say, wow, man, I was taken up to Pastor Ryan and it was wow. And I saw this and... Was there anyone with you when this happened, David? Absolutely not. And were you just on top of this mountain when it happened? Well, see, Mount Zion is really... is where the city is. It's where the uh, old city is. Okay. (laughs) Apologies to anyone from Texas (laughs) and uh, America. (laughs) (laughs) This is just a blanket apology to all peoples of the earth who have accents different from us that we attempt in this podcast. Listeners, we're sorry. (laughs) In many, many ways. Um, So, during this uh, vision with these seven angelic beings who don't have wings, who have spacecrafts, I never knew about him before, that there's a little bit of a UFO cult angle. That's super interesting. Um, they basically tell him that it's his job to um, to communicate uh, the truth about the seven seals mentioned in the end times prophecy yeah. of the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, to remind you, that's the book of the uh, the bit of the book of Revelation, listeners, uh, that goes like this. <clears throat> and I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. Arf, arf, yeah, it's arf, exactly what arf. I'm picturing. <laughs> sorry. I think it's possible we've done that joke before. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> sorry. And I interrupted I, you before the third, fourth, and fifth, the fifth, sixth, and seventh seal has come out. Which, should, for completion's sake, yeah. should I go? Arf, arf, arf. There we go, yeah. So, didn't want to unleash only three. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as has it been slain, having seven horns, and seven eyes, 
which are the seven spirits of God sent forth onto the earth. Okay, so there's a book, no one could open the book, and then David opened the book, and then there were seven seals, and then a lamb with seven eyes? Yeah. The Bible's fucking weird, uh, man. Here's a <laughs> here's an understatement sentence in uh, this book, The Waco Siege, uh, that I just read that from. <clears throat> These verses can obviously be interpreted in several ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I no, reckon you no could shit. use that to only buy biscuits at the shop. Do you think so? That yeah. would be a good justification there, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so basically, he believes that he's that person who's able to open the seals of this book um, and that, that he's able to communicate the important, true information about the end of the world. As well as being the scythe angel that's collecting the 144,000. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of... Um, yeah, he's kind of moonlighting as one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then the, the seven beings that are sort of mentioned mm. around the lamb are the seven prophets of which he is the seventh prophet sure. coming to coming to reveal all of this um so it's very important um that he can open these seals and that only he can <laughs> sam's allergic to seals unfortunately yeah. uh, and that only he can interpret the seals as well right um and there's a little bit of text i won't do any more bible reading um for now about the, the oh but i like the voice so much <laughs> um, and low <laughs> actually it's quite good because the next bit is hang on let's just uh, it was, a... it's like when um when mr burns is all nuclear and they sing good morning starshine that's what we want to i bring you love yeah it's bringing love break its legs it's <laughs> such a good episode yeah. um okay well here's a little bit of to give you an idea of the kind of information in these seals right and when he had opened the second seal i heard the second beast say come and see Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, <laughs> and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. Oh, okay. So now there's a, a lamb with seven eyes and a red horse. And everyone's going to kill each other, yeah. and there's going to be a big sword. Yeah. And when he opened the fourth seal... I heard the With voice the big sword. of the fourth beast say, Come and see. Mm. And I looked and beheld a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. Oh. These don't sound like very happy seals, you know? It's all super violent. Yeah, man. And Vernon believes that he's the one who can Ooh. open these seals, explain what they mean, and interpret what this violence that happens at the end time is all about. Sure. Nothing to worry about there. Um, He's really upfront about this. Uh, yeah. He apparently at one point in one of his lectures says... <clears throat> The Bible is a whole book about nothing but killing. Well, yeah. Don't put that on. You don't see there's, that on the cover as like a, a I mean, pull there is quote. a bunch of begetting first, isn't there? There's a, there's a fuckload of yeah. begetting, that's true. Um, and there's some nice stuff about like how oh, her hair is like sheep moving down a mountain. There's some nice Aww. stuff on that. Uh, so at this point, he begins to distance himself from Lois. 
he sort of criticizes her. She's still trying to really reach out to the Seventh Day Adventists, and mm. that upsets him for some reason. Still trying to kind of legitimize. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Or at least, but wants to be in control of that. Um, but at this point, George is the legal leader of the branch. Oh, he won Davidians. finally. So there's a bit of a power struggle. Ooh. Um, it's also around this sort of time that the idea of his name change begins, that this year is really the year where it's like, I have this role, yeah. I'm going to be going. But he actually changes his name five years later in 1990, right. legally. Um, but it's around this time, this idea that he's going to fulfill this particular role. Yeah, You'll remember the airy fairy voice uh, said that it was someone of the line of David. Sure. Which is why he changes his first name to David. Got it. It's a reference to King David, who's a great warrior. Yeah. Yeah. And also really sexually virile. There isn't... I don't know, I'm back to Simpsons again. I'm sure we talked about this the other day with Bart and Nelson when Bart is David and Nelson is Goliath. Yeah, he then yeah. becomes king later on. Yeah. So that dude. Um, and uh, Koresh, which is the Hebrew version uh, of the name of a Persian king who conquered Babylon and restored the temple to the Jews. One of the many times that happened. Right. So again, there's all this kind of stuff about sex and violence kind of mm. built into the imagery, into the stuff that he's reading. I'm sure nothing can go wrong from that. No, nope. sounds great. He spends two years preaching and getting new converts. He preaches in places like California, Australia, Hawaii. Wow. Um, it said the Branch Davidians also went out and preached in England, which I knew because there was a documentary specifically yeah. about the British people that joined oh. the Branch Davidians and were there when it when Waco happened. Yeah. But I couldn't work out if he came over or not. That right. sort of wasn't, um, wasn't clear. But one of the people he converts at that time was Mark uh, Brielt, of whom more later. I've almost certainly mispronounced mm. his name as well. Um, Sounds like he's probably going to be a bad man, so... Uh. Yeah. Uh, no. No? I'm or not, I don't know. Spoiler alert. Um, so at this point, he's kind of got all the people, but it's just a bit awkward because he's got all the followers and all yeah. the new recruits, um, but George has the compound and the name of the group. Yeah. Fortunately, in 1987, George comes up with a plan to settle this once and for all. Ooh. Is it then they put all the followers in the middle of the room and David Koresh is on one side with some treats come, and come here. George is the other side. Come come here. Come here to Oh no, I don't know what no. I'm trying to do. Encouraging come here to Vernon. David no, Koresh David. voice. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um No, it's not that. It's not like a you know, a competitive game of Twister or something. Strip poker for the branch Davidians. <laughs> <Ooh>, sorry. <laughs> what? Um, that comes later. Um, he decides he really wants to prove that Koresh isn't a pious man and that, in fact, he's a fraud. So how might you do that, do you think, Sam? Uh, uh, you might chat to his wife that he was married to when he was boinking your mum. You might chat to yeah. his other wife, like his teenage girlfriend who has a baby. Yeah, those are those are possible know. ways. Um, uh, if you were going to sort of like challenge him in some way, what might you? You might uh, challenge him to a Bible off, mm-hmm. where you had to start from the beginning and do every other word. And the first person to get something right—that's yeah. a great because uh, you would have that great bit of. Should begets, we, Sam? Should begets. we try and have a Bible yeah. off right now? Okay. <clears throat> okay. Uh, New Testament. Old Testament, surely. Okay, go on. <clears throat> 
So. So we have to do it simultaneously, right? Okay, so three... Wait, are we doing alternate words or are we reciting I think we have to do it together until the first person breaks. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll see who's the real Jesus on this podcast. So three, two, one. In In the the beginning... beginning was oh i was the... gonna say there was oh. <laughs> oh i failed turns out i'm not a christian oh, <laughs> damn it um i what? was like only a few more words away yeah there was a word and the word was god in the beginning was the word and the word was with god oh and, and the way. word was god and the word was with god and the word was god and he said that let there be light i don't know it's something like that i don't have yeah. a um old testament here i don't think I think I've maybe got a little Gideon Bible somewhere, but I don't think I've got a Bible Bible. Why have you got Gideon's Bible? He might need it. <laughs> mm. um, so you're saying you might do any one of those things. Um, his uh, actual plan is a little bit more out there, <laughs> Okay, Sam. Um, Duel. <clears throat> he digs up the remains of a Branch Davidian oh. Anne Hughes, Anna Hughes, oh. sorry, um, who had died 20 years earlier, places her body in the chapel at Waco and challenges Koresh to raise her from the dead. Uh, right. <laughs> okay. Was that, that wasn't a claim that Koresh had made, though. Not particularly, other no. than that he was the new prophet and was this angel from the... Is so sure? he's making claims about his divinity, I guess. Yeah. But it was a bit like, you know, and, you know, in, in one version it's described that it's like, well, whoever can raise her from the dead will be the new leader. And as if they might does, have I'll like a wait. competition. Yeah. Oh. Um, perhaps wisely, yeah. Koresh doesn't take up the challenge. No. Uh, instead, he goes to the sheriff's office <gasps> and makes a charge of corpse abuse <laughs> against a George. bitch! <gasps> But rightly so. I mean, that is the correct yeah. moral and legal thing to do, I think. Well well done, David. I'm going to just record you saying that little bit and play it at the end of the next episode. <laughs> or just reinsert it at terrible moments yeah. where I describe what he's done. I'll have a button for, well done, David. <laughs> That's the title of the episode. No, it's not. It's no. not. That's horrible. Um, the sheriff's office, though, and I don't mean to disparage the sheriff's office, but we've seen lots of sheriffs not being very good at what they do in recent years. Um, they say, oh, oh that's, mm, we don't have any evidence, though. So um, mm, we really need some evidence. Obviously, obviously, we can't get any evidence um, without a warrant. So don't know, don't know what to do, really. Mm. Yeah. So... Koresh and his followers go to Mount Carmel. Sure. Sneak in and they get some photos of a muddy coffin in the chapel that's got a Israeli flag draped on it. And, and they then go because back it's to the... 1985, they have to then go to Walmart and get them yep. developed by a teenager <laughs> who... <laughs> who puts them in the machine and is horrified. load of them have like the thumb over the yeah. lens or those oh. little bright One of them's just got a ghost and... of like someone eating an ice cream on the back of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they take those to the sheriff. Right. Uh, and the sheriffs go, a bit like uh, our recent uh, news in this country, Sam. Mm. Anything could be in that box. 
There's no proof there's a body there. Uh, so, um, pff, don't know what to, yeah. <laughs> don't know what to tell you, uh, David and Vernon. Sorry, whatever you said your name was. Pff, our, um, I guess our hands are, hands are tied. Yeah. So, not to be defeated. Right. Uh, David and a number of his followers um, go to a hardware shop. Uh, they buy boots, camo, fatigues, uh, ammunition, yeah. arm up. Kit themselves up as a military outfit. And on the 2nd of November, under cover of nightfall, they sneak into Mount Carmel. Oh. They get to the chapel. Yeah. Push open the door. Ooh. Do I'm imagining they probably do one of those like sneaky forward roll kind of things. Yeah, and then one of them does some gestures like that look like he's trying yeah. to do shadow puppets. Yeah, and then they sort of um, they're in a group and then they sort of spread out and then they come back together. Yeah. Fucking coffin's gone. Oh. Chapel's empty. Cool. So they go. Oh, what are we gonna do? And then Rachel walks out. I don't remember what her name was. No, so they think, oh, we can't, and we can't. It's night now. We can't really. Yeah. We can't just wander around trying to look for a coffin. Um, so they spend that night hiding in a nearby ditch. Oh, absolute funnies! Until <laughs> the morning, yeah. when there's a bit of light, um, when they start going door to door, asking. Excuse me. At, yeah. Have you seen a coffin? <laughs> hello. Uh, he- hello, ma'am. Do you? By any chance, have a corpse in there? Only my husband. <laughs> ding, Qu- ding. Quality banter. Um, <laughs> Imagine like a home improvement sort of. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> While this is happening, yeah. George gets wind of this. Uh, so he does what any rational person would do. Um, and he arrives and fires on them with an Uzi machine gun that oh, he's got. Oh, no. They return fire with the semi-automatic uh, rifles that they have, and a bit of a gunfight ensues uh, right in the middle of the compound. Fuck. Eventually, George is kind of pinned behind a tree by Koresh, so that if he tries and comes out one way, he yeah. gets shot. If he tries to come out the other uh. way, he gets shot. Um, and it's at that point that someone, either on the compound or neighbours, have called the cops. Yeah. They show up and they arrest Koresh. And the people with him Good. for attempted murder. Yeah. Who all like are in camo and armed up and stood there. They can't yeah. really. Oh no, we were just hunting for ducks. So um so they've been arrested. Yeah. They've been charged. Um they get bail at one point, which is slightly strange. Mm. Um and the uh, court date is set. Now, you'd think as George, you'd go, Oh, I've had a bit of a lucky escape here. I haven't been charged with anything. They're going to go to trial. I'll just um, Look. I'll just kick back here with Anna and um, and wait and see what happens. Yeah. Instead, he writes lots of furious letters to oh. the court, um, complaining about all manner of things, including right. the fact that they've been bailed and he doesn't think the court case is going to be handled the way he wants, and he's got this grievance and that grievance and yeah. blah 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 blah. Um, to the extent that he is um found guilty of contempt of court. He's fined yeah. and jailed for six months. Whoa! Silly, yeah. silly George. Sure. Um, so in April, the trial happens. Yeah. And the jurors find, like, the followers of Koresh mm-hmm. not guilty. Okay. 
I guess because of like he shot at us, we like yeah. I guess we were following orders. Yeah. But they can't make a decision about whether David Koresh is guilty or not. Uh, oh, okay. They, they refuse to return a verdict on him. Wow. So the judge rules it's been a mistrial. <gasps> okay. And then a couple of weeks later, they just drop the charges. There's no retrial. <gasps> it's all done. Yeah. At this point... um. 1988, uh, Koresh goes back to Mount Carmel. Oh. Nobody's for... there, right? George is in prison. Sure. Um, there's a load of, like, um, back taxes um, and debts. Yeah. Um, so they all sort of have a bit of a whip round, but he pays all that off, which is <gasps> like $60,000. Yeah. And takes occupancy of the site. Right. It's not brilliant. There's no electrical running water, and indeed there won't be well, pretty much all the way through everything that happens after this. But, but they've got Jesus. They've got Jesus. And they've got the compound at Waco. Yeah. They're uh, they're laughing. Um, when they get back, they find that Anna Hughes is still out in the shed. Oh, right. Um, so she's reburied uh, by David Jones, who 20 years previously had been the person to bury her the first time around oh. when he was a boy of 13. Oof. And Koresh holds the blessing and ceremony when she's yeah. when she's reburied. So you'd think at this point that maybe George would just chill out a bit. Yeah, I reckon that's the end of it for George. Get out of get out of prison. Maybe go and do something else. Um, he's been living in California a bit, I think, because at one point he tried to run for president. I think I read bonkers, um, but he doesn't do that. So <laughs> instead, he gets released and then almost immediately gets thirty more days for violating the restraining order his <sighs> mum had taken out on him. Right. And where's she now? Is she still at Mount Carmel? Or is she somewhere else? I think she's still at Mount Carmel. Right. She's going to die at some point. We will do. But that wasn't noted down in any of the stuff that I read. Okay. So, again, choose your own adventure. Like you chose the book earlier, listener. The moment you want to imagine. I don't want to imagine that. But Um, I just assume that it happens at some point too. So he keeps up a campaign against Koresh. Right. Until... The next year, he's been living with um, a man called Dale Adair, who was also a Branch Davidian. Dale Adair. <laughs> a Branch Davidian, dear. <laughs> um, and apparently in a prayer meeting yeah. sometime before, uh, Dale had been, um, I'm just going to do it and I'll let Sam describe it, um, okay. had been sitting praying and then this happened. He went... Oh, so he looked down, he had his hands facing, palms upwards on his lap, and he looked down and then he looked up, kind of scared, and like he'd smelled a fart or maybe he'd left the oven on, and then looked up to the sky and just stayed very still. And sort of went, I think I might be the Messiah. You're not the Messiah, you're a very naughty boy. And then he went off and he ended up living with George. Okay, yeah. Um, so they were sort of, yeah, I guess like flatmates at this point. Bert and Ernie. One evening, yeah. they're having private Bible study. Yeah. And Dale turns to George <gasps> and goes, do you know what, George? I think I'm the Messiah. Oh, no. George? 
as we might imagine, yeah. doesn't just take this in calmly and go, so, oh, mate, let's talk this through. He's furious. <gasps> and so he kills Dale oh. with a fucking axe. That that took such a lefting left turn. That went so... That... What? There's more. He then shoots the corpse... What? Yeah. So that he can claim that he shot him in self-defense instead of yeah, hit him killing him with an axe. He's still alive, so I shot him. Fuck. Insane. Okay. Um. So he's charged with murder. Sure. He is found guilty. He, yeah. Um. And he is declared insane. Sure. And is immediately institutionalized. Um, and he stays in institutions yeah. um, for the rest of his life until he dies in okay. 1998. Okay. Bonkers. Just. So the conversation goes, hey, John, I think I'm the Messiah. No, there, I think there is an axe in here. You can't so see, I'm... listeners. I'm looking because I do have a little bushcraft axe that yeah. is sometimes here in my room. I think it's in the cupboard now. I said it and then suddenly got very nervous because I knew there was an axe somewhere. I I just want you to know, Sam, that yeah. I would never kill you with an axe. No. Thanks. J- John, I would never... John, I would never kill you with an axe either. Oh, thank you. You're sweet. I'd probably just run you over or something. It'd be quicker. <laughs> <laughs> I would never run you over. <clears throat> I promise. So, at this point, Koresh... Is finally in charge. Yeah. He's got the compound. He's got the followers. Sure. He's the new prophet. Got it. It's go time, baby. Ooh. So not only does he have total control, but he's also got kind of a sweet life now. He's got a number of different cars and trucks. He's got all the guns he could want. Right. All the musical instruments that he could want. Okay. So he's feeling pretty good about himself. Mm -hmm. He's feeling kind of happy. Um, and he's got this kind of changing and evolving uh, theology. Um, it's complex. We're not going to go too much into it, um, but it's all about these kind of connections that he can see in different bits of the of the Bible okay. that help him understand who people are and what they're going to do in the end times. Like people who interpret like Nostradamus and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Um, so here's a little, uh, this is an excerpt from the fantastic book, The Branch Davidians of Waco, the history and belief of an apocalyptic sect that I'm just going to read because it gives you an example of how this thought process works. Okay. I'm going to close my eyes. Strap in listeners. Um, I don't know what accent Kenneth GC Newport has. Uh, Did it say, it said in the front, he's a professor of something in the, in the front uh, dust jacket. The top. Professor of Christian thought at Liverpool Hope University College. I can't do scouts. Eh, <laughs> <laughs> what about the Bible? No, I can't. I can't sustain that. Um, I'll just read it. <clears throat> An example will best illustrate this point. Yes. According to Koresh, the figure on the white horse in Revelation nineteen eleven is a figure of the end time himself, who has come to destroy the wicked. But that figure is similar to the figure on a white horse who rides out at the opening of the first seal in Revelation 6-2. So in Koresh's reasoning, these two riders are the same. The figure in Revelation 6-2 holds a bow. Now if he has a bow, reasons Koresh, he must also have some arrows. 
there's a figure, a king, shooting arrows in Psalm 45.5. Therefore, argues Koresh, the rider in Psalm 45 is the same one as the one in Revelation 6, who's the same as the one in Revelation 19. However, reading in on Psalm 45, we hear that this king is to have children who are to be princes of the earth in Psalm 45.16. From this, Koresh concludes that he, the rider on the horse in Revelation, is to have children who will be princes for the new kingdom. Okay, yeah, I see. So there was only like one horse and one man and one arrows, one quiver in the Bible quiver um yeah convinced yet sam is looking less convinced now listeners if you were Uh, keeping track on that on that chart i feel less convinced yeah is that all right yeah that's i think that's reasonable (laughs) um so but that's all everything that he does is that kind of sure this word and this word and this means this and that means that this person does this and yeah yeah, it's It's all numerology but words yeah sort of um so he really thinks that this is the key to understanding everything in the bible and that the text talks about him and what he will do in the final days. Um, and in Psalms, it refers to the end of times um, having a major confrontation between him and all of those opposed to him. Oh, dear. And that God will destroy and punish them. Yeah. And that he will slay his enemies by revealing the truth of the seals. Uh to them and that he should have many many children that's what god wants right that way they'll destroy babylon which for koresh now basically means false religion but also america okay so they're going to destroy it from within yeah yeah um as well as being the anointed angel with a sickle he's the rider on the horse with the bow yeah he's that as well um, he also starts to talk in terms that mean that he's basically Christ. Sure, yeah. Or maybe he's a human who is host to the Christ spirit. Okay. The Holy Spirit or... The Christ the Father, spirit. The, the Son and he's the Spirit. Yeah, yeah so okay. the Son spirit. In Got it. Um, so in some of his talks, he occasionally goes like... Oh, back when I uh, when I told my disciples to uh, oh. do that thing with the bread and the fish, it was really uh, really awkward. It's all those yeah. kind of anecdotes. It's still, that sort of cringy Christian youth leader vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so, therefore, it's plausible that he's convinced that just like he'll be killed for his role in the world last time, yeah, that might well happen again. Mm-hmm. He manifested it. <laughs> So why no one should ever read the secret. Um, so those are some of the sort of key things that come out. There's loads of his sort of theology and stuff that we just don't know anymore. There is no he never published any of it, yeah. which became that was part of what he was trying to do later on during the siege. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of the recordings of him are lost. Yeah. So there's like I think forty recordings, and it's sort of people yeah. have pieced it together from that, which is either him talking to the FBI or yeah. recordings of things. But there's loads of it that we just don't know. Yeah. We just don't know, but those are kind of the key things about his, um, his role. Yeah. Uh, here's a, a letter he wrote to the uh, Seventh Day Adventist Church that also sort of illustrates some of this thinking. Did it just say, uh, "Dear sirs, na 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 na, love David, previously Vernon"? Dear brethren in the Seventh Day Adventist Church, I am the Son of God. Yes, yeah, so na 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 na. 
You do not know me, nor my name. I have been raised up from the north, and my travels are from the rising of the sun. All prophets of the Bible speak of me. I am the branch, Isaiah 4.2, the serpent, Isaiah 5.26, the Emmanuel, Isaiah 7.14, the root, Isaiah 11.10, the holy one, Isaiah 12.6, the voice, Isaiah 13.2, the fiery flying serpent, Isaiah 14.29, all of these great band names. Yeah! And couldn't he have just like listed the things and then put like Isaiah 6 to 29 or something? You'd think so. <clears throat> the yeah. Lamb, Isaiah 16.1. <laughs> this is my favourite. The Stammerer, Isaiah 28.11. <laughs> we do love a good list of um, cult leader titles, don't we? The yeah. Lamb, the, the... What else? The Stammerer, the... Fiery Flying fire, Serpent. A Fiery Flying Serpent. The King, Isaiah 32.1. The Righteous Man from the East, Isaiah 41.2. The, the elect. mystery man from the West. <laughs> the not quite as mysterious as the other man from the South. The ravenous bird, Isaiah 46.11. The loved one, Isaiah 48.14. The sharp sword, Isaiah 49.2. The learned, Isaiah 54. The arm, Isaiah 51.9. The servant, Isaiah 52.13. And David, Isaiah 55.3. But he said they don't know then his name, and then they said, "I am all this and David." Ba -ba -da -ba. Like an introduction on a theme sh theme song. <laughs> this is the fiery flying. He's the fiery flying. And King. coming in all the way out of the east, stranger. he's the flying fiery serpent, yeah. the stammerer of the west. Um, I have been rejected in the person of my prophets over and over. I have seven eyes and seven horns. Really difficult to buy hats. My flying purple people eater. <laughs> <laughs> My name is the word of God, and I ride on a white horse. I am here on earth to give you the seventh angel's message. I am the prophets. All of them. I want to invite you to my marriage supper. The invitation is in Psalm 45. <laughs> oh, no. Read it and confess that you do not know me. I am the word of God. The key of David is in my hand. I can only open up the prophecies of David and Solomon. I have ascended from the east with the seal of the living God. Arf, arf, arf. Well, the key of David is in his hand because it's his house key because his name's David and he's got a key to his house. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's got his little name on the fob. Yeah. My name is Cyrus and I am oh. here to destroy Babylon. I have come in a way <laughs> that is contrary <laughs> to your bridge. Sorry, that wasn't... That's the end. That was yeah, an ominous... Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I will reprove you for your worldly loving. I will scold your daughters for their nakedness and pride that they parade in my father's house. And by my angels, I will strip them naked before all eyes because of their foolish pride. Read Isaiah 3.13. Young men will abuse my kindness. They will take my life, but I will arise and then take theirs forevermore. You ministers will lament your foolishness. You, your lost flock, will tear you into pieces. I am the word, and you do not know me. I ride on a white horse, and my name is Secret. He just said Cyrus, and he's also said David like a whole bunch of times. Psalm 45 is my invitation for you for extended mercy. 
I will visit you at your unholy feast, Isaiah 3.13, 12.6, Daniel 2.44, Hosea 2.21, 2.5, Joel 3.16, 17, Amos 1.2. He's making He's these up lost now. lost numbers. Eight, yeah. <laughs> Four, eight, <laughs> Fucking bingo. Yeah. <laughs> Full house. Uh, Habuk- Hab- Hab- Habakkuk 3.13. Sephaniah three five, Zechariah two thirteen, Malachi one eleven, Testimonies volume two, pages one hundred and ninety and one hundred and ninety one. Is this the shipping forecast? <laughs> <laughs> Daniel two forty four, Hosiah two twenty one. Precipitation with a foresight, good. Prepare to meet thy God. <laughs> Wow. So he's got a pretty uh, pretty strong idea of himself. Yeah, it really feels like, um, I know that I wasn't allowed to play with you anymore and your mum sent me home, but actually at home I've got way better toys and I really like being at home and you're not allowed here actually and I would invite you, but instead I put your invitation in the bin. <laughs> it's exactly that. It's yeah. fucking nuts. Um, so this is the person who's in control of all these uh, these people in yeah. this compound. Um, they have Bible study three times a day. Ugh. I was going to go, when if you were going to say weak. Ah, no, Ugh. no, three times a day. Um, they're living in this in this place with very limited sort of resource in terms of electricity and water. Sure. Um, they're not allowed dairy because it's for babies. Uh, I mean, it's for baby cows, sure. Yeah? Yeah. Um, you can eat bananas and apples at the same time, Sam. Apples and bananas. But it is forbidden to eat bananas and oranges at the same time. Okay. You also can't eat fruit and vegetables at the same time. That has to be two separate occasions. Oh, so you couldn't have like a cheese board with some grapes and pickled onions on it. Okay, imagine if your religion said you couldn't have a cheese board. Well, because no dairy. Oh, shit. I don't, I She's looking even the, less convinced, I listeners. I think I'm losing her at this point. Together. You couldn't, does that mean you couldn't have like a spaghetti bolognese? Yep. Man, yeah, couldn't no, have anything savoury with tomatoes, right? Because that's a fruit, and there'd yeah. be vegetables with it. Yeah, unless you just had like, a... no, you couldn't even have pizza because it's got cheese on it. Yep, man. Okay, a lot of potatoes for these guys then. No sugar. Ugh. Um. So one of them talks in one of the clips I saw about them eating a lot of onion soup, obviously without any cream or anything else in it oh. or cheese. So it probably smells really nice in this compound as well yeah yeah i bet their breath and sweat smell lovely and all of this kind of hardship that they're going through yeah is is a way of testing them testing that they're really dedicated testing that they're ready for this war that's sure. going to come about um if like you the, like the heaven's gate preparations and the yeah exactly yeah. or the false drills in yeah. um jonestown etc etc same same vibe mm-hmm. if you broke a rule you could be kicked out of the group yeah. Or smacked and beaten. Yes. Uh, Koresh would do that with the adults, but all of them would do it ruthlessly with the children. Oh. Um, children would take beatings from the age of eight months onwards to ensure their obedience. Right. Because if you have to be ready for war, one of them says, you know, you have to, if, if we're being attacked and they need to duck down because we're under fire, there's no space for them to argue with you. So yeah. we used to beat them to make sure they would be obedient in oh. that situation. And it's horrible. They talk about like, um, paddles ending up bloody because of the way they they beat the kids. It's Fuck. dark, dark shit. Um, the outside world is a negative, sinful place. 
It's Babylon. Sure. It's evil. They are the elect who are going to go. Yep. Go on. Um, he starts to nickname the compound Ranch Apocalypse. Oh no. Which is too cutesy for my taste. Um, I'll cut this out if you don't have it. But how many people are there at this sort of time? Oh, did you say it was like forty odd followers? I have those exact numbers. Ooh. But there, I'm going to use those for the end of the episode, Sam. Okay, cool. So Sorry. you can leave this in. Yeah. It's a little trailer for you. Um, but I, I'm going to get to the number of people there. Okay. Uh, there's a gym, there are bedrooms, there's a chapel, there's a kitchen. Yeah, they've no got a, electricity or running water, but they've got a gym. It's all old school. It's all weights. Sure, yeah. Um, there's a shelter for them where they've basically buried a school bus. And that is the shelter. That sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like it'd be a really cool speakeasy or something. Underground school bus. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to get to the big ick. There's only going to be a couple of minutes of big ick, okay. listeners. But um, here's, here's where all the bad sex stuff is coming up. So Koresh talked about the fact that Jesus, when he came the first time, was a sinless messiah. Right. But that this time around, he is the sinful Messiah. That in order to better understand man, yeah. he has tried and been tempted by the sins of the world. I thought Jesus had sinned because of the let he without sin throw the first stone thing. I think that's for other people, though. Oh, what, he was I like, think that's not for messiahs. This, but, okay, okay, I understand. Um, so... Yeah, so the fact that he'd been able to give in to sin in his past was part of the right. the new version of him being um, being Jesus. And obviously he knew that um, God wanted him to have lots of children to become the princes of the earth. Yeah. Um, and so God would tell him which wives would be the appropriate hosts for that to join, <clears throat> in his euphemism, the House of David. Okay. In 1985... Uh, Koresh said, so we're doing a little flashback little, here, yeah. um, a few years, though. that God told him to have a child with Michelle Jones, the sister of his wife right. at the time. Michelle at that point was 10 or 11. Um. But don't worry, Sam, because he waited until 1987 when she was 12. Fuck's sake. Rachel okayed this happening, saying that God came to her in a vision and told her that David would be destroyed if he didn't do it. Um, Michelle later had one of his children. um, And there are lots of allegations about a huge amount of sex. Originally, he said um, that he was entitled to have sex with all the unmarried women in the compound. You're not entitled to have sex with anybody, ever, anyone. And then anyone. later it was, like, everyone. And eventually right. he said, I'm the only one that's allowed to have sex. Uh, sure. So I'll... Husbands, you have to be celibate, but I can sleep with any of your wives <laughs> or indeed daughters, etc. It's so interesting, but then also so boring when it just comes down to that, isn't it? Just like when yeah. they just they boil down to just some fucking guy wants to just have sex with lots of people and be worshipped like a god. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Let, let's circle back round to that to yeah. that thought. Um, 
but it always uh, these things always end in a lot of inappropriate sex yeah. of some kind don't they it's um yeah so there's lots of that happening some of the age stuff is dodgy to say the least but most of it is is at least legal right some of it is in that sort of statutory rape yeah. category um but some of it like with michelle is is really bad like that True. is a first degree felony yeah. 99 years in prison yeah like the worst of the worst yeah he then marries uh again he marries a 19 year old nicole ghent but he's still having sex everywhere everyone else yeah Uh, a quick totally chill things for a cult leader to say okay if you don't win in the bedroom son you're not going to win on the battlefield what's winning i don't want to know what he thinks winning is yeah um, so this is the new light doctrine and in general the group agree to this lots of them right. don't know about the age of some of the girls sure. being involved in it eventually he fathers 17 children by 15 women Shit. one of those women is Kiri Jewell from the age of about 11 he starts taking her on special motorbike trips up to the mountains Ugh. And spending a lot of time with her and she remembers sort of noticing that that didn't happen to other yeah. women that he was sort of, uh, or girls he was interested in in the compound. Right. Sometime later, I think when she was around about 13, her mum takes her to a hotel room. When they go into the hotel room, Koresh is there on the bed. No. And he has sex with her. When this happens, Mark... Brilt, who's one of the yeah. new recruits, sees that interaction happen around the hotel room. He doesn't right. see what happens inside. Yeah. And at that point, he's like, this is shady as fuck. Okay, good. And he leaves the group. Yeah, well um, done, Mark. He has to do that by saying to David, oh, I think we should do some um, some like musical events down in like California and stuff. So oh. I'm going to go and get the stuff for that rings his wife who's back in Australia and says, will you send me the money yeah. so I can get on a plane and get out of here? Oof. He does. He reports some of his suspicions to the authorities. Yeah, good. Um, Kiri's mum is still in the group. Yeah. Her dad is not. They're separated. Great. And he files for custody. Yeah. So at least she can't become a wife of his. Yeah, they have sure. shared custody. But nothing ever happens around the the sexual allegations there um child protective services get involved yeah search the compound but they find no evidence of child abuse so they close the case okay in the book i was reading he sort of talks about the interesting questions that you raised earlier sam of like is this someone who's just an abuser Mm. is this someone who believes this is what you know, the voice in his head is yeah. telling him to do this and therefore it's from God and therefore whatever his personal feelings, he's following that. Yeah, like an, uh, an open eye or a shut eye. or yeah. yeah. And was also suggesting that, you know, the other option is if he th- knows or he, if he thinks or believes he has to have this big confrontation, he has to bring the authorities down on them. Yeah. What's the... He can achieve his other missions, but also in the worst possible way, bring the law in. That actually maybe right. a bit of it is like his is wanting to bring the authorities in. Yeah. All of which is very complicated and very messy and very 
either you know in yeah. in any option All of dark as fuck and horrendous yeah. and maybe he doesn't even know which of those things it is but yeah, yeah. <sighs> horrible horrible darkness um and by this point he's traveling a lot less he's just staying in mount carmel yeah um he puts out a um a call to the followers in 1992 oh yeah um that they should come for passover uh, so at that point 150 people are in the compound wow um a few of them drift away sure but like yeah um 10 months later there are 130 people living there oh shit of whom 80 yeah will go on to die when we come back to our story oh my next gosh. time whoa wow john well told thank you very much 80 i think wow that's a lot of people that is a lot of people yeah gosh how interesting and i i think we we might talk about this very regularly but really really all these cult leaders have got so much in common yeah it's like like the mcdonald triad for killers it's like there must be some kind of like separated parents tried lots of different churches like some kind of stencil for that yeah like yeah. failing in other parameters of your life and therefore finding success in this in bible yeah or, or in, in religion or yeah. in something where you're sort of in control of what you what well, you make of yeah, it right? success in public speaking i guess is the, yeah wow yeah i mean that's the other thing i think one of the uh women i saw being interviewed was also saying like part of what he did once he was in charge was use it as a way to fix all of the things that had been wrong with his past so yeah. in the past he'd felt self-conscious about his long hair and his big nose and so right. he didn't get girls and so he built in a system where he definitely got girls yeah which is a bit like we've talked before that you end up living in that person's head right you end up living yeah. in their in their damage um as they work through that that stuff yeah yeah wow how horrible and so now we're there we're there ready for um a, a siege to happen right yeah spoiler spoiler yeah. alert um but we'll be back with the yeah the mm. final confrontation and the end of the world when we come back next time i was just gonna sing the confrontation from les mis but i think the listeners have had quite enough of my singing this afternoon um, we'll put that as a bonus on oh, as a bonus on Patreon. Sam and I will we'll sing our favourite duets from Les Mis. Are you going to be Nobody Valjean or Javert? Oh, Javert, please. Yeah, okay. I, I can't remember it right now. We'll we'll practice. We'll do that for you on Patreon. Which yeah. reminds me, listeners, if you'd like to support us on a regular basis, um, we do this for free and love. But it takes time and it takes money to host it and put it out and do all of that kind of jazz. Um, if you'd like to support us to make more episodes, you can do that by giving us a monthly donation at the level of your choice over at patreon.com. Look for Coffee and Cults. Yeah. Um, if you do that, you support the episode, but there's also a, a little bit of bonus material over there. There's some bonus episodes um, and there will be some more bonus episodes very soon because we've and got some. Just sometimes we uh, post planned. kind of silly stuff on there. Yeah, we it's have nice. A chat. Um, if you'd like to donate to us on a one-off basis, just buy us a coffee to drink while we record. You can do that at ko-fi.com forward slash coffee and cults. And you can talk to us or say hello or support us on any of those social media things at yeah. 
coffee and cults. And if you would like to support us but you want to do it for free, you can do that by just writing us a lovely review on Apple Podcasts. But also uh, share this podcast, let other people know about it, uh, spread the word. Um, We are shocked and amazed that as many of you listen to this as do yeah. um but we'd love even more people to get to it so uh, yeah please do share it please do kick it around and uh and otherwise have a very good time enjoy your lives till next we're in your ears <laughs> yay we love we, we love you, love you. Bye. 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 you are the cause we found out that i was actually getting a two inch by two inch brand with a cover